You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. What is the basis of your appraisal? Uh, when, when you're trying to buy a house or sell a house or a car or anything, you know, you want to know what the value is. You know, there is a value to it, you know. Uh, I, we get calls every day for people wanting to buy our land. You know, they, they, they know everything's headed this way, you know. And, and they're always surprised when I tag it with an ungodly amount of money. And I tell them all the time, you're buying sentimental value. You want mine? You, this is the check it's going to take to buy it because it's not, you, you're buying, this is the only place my grandkids have ever called home. A lot of work and time and money has gone into building pens and building a life here. So you just ain't getting it for nothing. Here's what it's going to cost you. One guy, he goes, well, at least you know what you want for it. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And yeah, it, it's, it's worth that to me. See, and, and there is an appraisal that is out there that people in the natural, they're going to put a price on it. Come on. And so the word appraise, it means to evaluate the worth, significance, or status of. To give an expert judgment of the value or merit of. See, nobody knows the battle it took for us to even get this place. Having to fight the land barons, having to fight the politicians, having, come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And, and nobody understands the hours and sweat and time that it took to clear it and burn it and to build, come on. See, that word merit there got me. See, when it comes to seeing our worth and value, we often struggle with the true worth and value based on our lives because of past circumstances or our current situation. Sometimes we don't put much value and worth on us because the word merit means character or conduct deserving reward, honor, or esteem. And when we come to Jesus, a lot of times we always fall back to, well, I, I just, I'm not worthy. Jesus wouldn't have came and died on the cross for you if you weren't worthy and had value. So we're always fighting a battle with the enemy right here in our mind that our past keeps us from being used by God later on. Come on, does that make sense? And so what we're doing is, is we're appraising our situation and circumstance based on natural man's opinions. And when God sees a whole lot more in us. See, this is why spiritual warfare has got to be taught in the church. If you don't understand spiritual warfare, you will never line your appraisal up right. Because the devil's always going to be telling you in your mind, you're not ready you're not worthy, you don't know enough, you haven't been through enough, and you're, listen, and he's always able to tempt you with the past. Come on. Because you can never appraise yourself, seeing yourself in the future being used by God. And so we're always fighting the devil up here instead of stepping back declaring, God, you are holy and you can, come on. Does that make sense? Yes. So the problems we face is the way we appraise. See, we appraise two ways, with natural mindset or a spiritual mindset. Come on. 
See, one mindset is with insecurity, selfish ambitions, fears, and doubts. See, we begin to appraise things through those insecurities, those fears, and those doubts, and even selfishness. Come on, selfishness will keep you from serving in the house of God. See, selfishness always and insecurities, fears, those are always going to cause offenses that keep you from going forward with God. Well, so-and-so didn't say hi to me. Well, so-and-so don't. Listen, the devil's going to fight you. When you start coming to church, the devil's always going to try to offend you to keep you from serving and doing what you're called to do. Come on. Always. And so you're always going to be appraising every situation through insecurities. Come on. And the other way we appraise things, we appraise things spiritually. This is how we have to appraise things. With hope, faith, with love, what will be. Come on. You have to start appraising things what will be. And confessing it daily. Doesn't matter what you see. Doesn't matter what you hear. Doesn't matter how. Come on. You got to start appraising things. If not, you're just going to be negative. You're going to be just back. Come on. And then look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen, this isn't an excuse to sin. It's, an, it, it, it's, it's a reason to get better. Come on. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But... He who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. Look at verse 16. For, what, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is what you're going to have to understand. Where the mind goes, the body goes. If you ain't got a hold of this, come on. You got to get a hold of this. Remember what we always teach around here. Thoughts become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. And our habits become our character. So what is your character? Every time he gets in a bind, he hits his knees and holy are you, Lord God. Come on. What, when, when somebody else comes against you, What's your first reaction? God, you fight my battles. Lord, I thank you. Come on. When you're feeling unworthy, unwanted, come on. What is your first reaction? See, Paul, Paul here is dealing with some situations that I feel like we're facing even today. See, this was one of his first letters to Corinth. Now, Paul thought Corinth was a strategically uh, place of influence. And so what Paul wanted to do is, is he wanted to get to Corinth and he wanted to, to start teaching people about Christ. But he's having to deal with some things that we find ourselves having to deal with today. Because what Corinth was, it was a, a melting pot for religions. It was a melting pot for cultures. It, it was a trade route where people would just come to and they would trade and they would move out and go. But it became so influential that Paul thought, you know what? We need to start a body of believers right here. But the problem was, is their mindset was so culturally confused. Come on. 
Corinth became one of the most wicked places uh, at that time. And it's because of all the different religions and all the different uh, philosophers and influence. Because you got to remember, for 400 and something years prior to Jesus, it was nothing but uh, philosophers. And they were just sitting around thinking because God been quiet. You know what philosophy means, right? It's you're in love with your own thinking. And when we get that going on and we're just starting to think our way is right, then it opens the door for confusion. Come on. We got confusion right now. We got people who are immorally bankrupt. And they're running our country making laws. They have no moral compass. Come on. This is how Corinth was. And they're making laws that are ungodly. And so Paul is having to address this, and, but yet he still sees this as significance. And so look in verse 1 in this same chapter. There's so much to unpack in one chapter right here. It's, it's, I, it, as you go back through it, in verse 1, this is what Paul says. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Listen, there was already people out there saying this God, this God, this God, this God, this God. Does that make sense? He says, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words... I came here and all I said was there's a new authority and a new power. He didn't go in with big tents, a lot of lights. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? The only thing you need to start the body of Christ is the Spirit of God. Come on. Now we're going to do things with excellence. Come on. But that's not why we're here. Come on. The nice buildings. Paul didn't need a building. Paul didn't need a children's church program. Paul didn't need uh, parking attendance. Paul, Paul didn't need none of that. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? We do that to facilitate the ministry in this area, and that's great. And we're always going to do that, and we're always going to strive for excellence. But we can't remember, we can't forget why we come. Is to honor, holy are you, Lord God. Come on, does that make sense? That's what makes every one of us part of the worship. Every one of us become part of the worship and praise team from the very, listen, it's worship to serve in the parking lot. Come on, it's worship to clean the house of God. Come on, are y'all with me? Look what he says. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Verse 4. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God was manifesting himself in the midst of his preaching and teaching. The Holy Spirit of God manifesting himself right before their very eyes. And what happens is, is people begin to an expectation. People whose lives had been turned upside down. People who were being exploited. Come on. In Corinth, do you realize they had temple prostitutes? They were more concerned about worshiping pleasure, come on, than the principles of God. Can you imagine the women who were forced into that? And when you're forced into that, their value and their worth began to sink. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? It was even young men 
who were being prostituted. Come on, you look at the abuse that's running rampant in this country right now. People's worth and value. The transgender community, the suicide is high. Why? Their value and their worth. And then when they thought they were going to get value and worth from chopping it all off, nothing happened. Come on. Because it's in here. Because they were naturally appraising things. Come on, are y'all with me? But it's the Spirit of God who knows the Father's heart for you that says you're worth something. I don't care what this man or this woman's doing to you. You've got value and you have worth. Come on, are y'all with me in here? Verse 5, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In other words, I don't want your belief system based on how big the church is, how well dressed you are on Sunday mornings. I don't, come on, are y'all with me? How many lights, how much smoke, how much, come on, are y'all with me? And listen, we can get in the ditch without all the lights and the smoke and the cameras. Because I'm telling you, here's what, here's, here's the attack I hear all the time. All the time. Well, we just, we, they, they've done forgot that the hymns are holy. It's the hymns. <laughs> Singing out of these old hymns. Just long for these old hymns. Well, you don't sing to the old hymns either. Everybody's bored with the old hymns. And you can get in a ditch thinking you're so doggone holy that you forgot the love. Come on. And so what you're doing is you are appraising this church by your natural eyes and not the fruit that's coming out of it. So even you can be in the ditch over here singing hymns and there be strife and jealousies all among you, but you ain't judging your own fruit. Come on. But you want to judge mine by the lights and the smoke and the, come on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? See, we're living in that day where our culture is all jacked up because we haven't seen fruit and we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to work amongst us to change the lives from belief on the inside that holy is the Lord God Almighty. That there's a process that we go through and that our lives have value and worth no matter what you do or where you're at. Come on. See, Paul was a witness to Jesus' authority and power. That's what we are. We are witnesses of the authority and the power of God when we allow Him to change our lives. When we're not fornicators, adulterers, drunkards, come on. When we're not all that. Wow, God's changed your life. When we're not always offended, when we're not always on edge, while we're, come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But when we are maturing in the Word, come on, I, I guarantee you, God longs for a church that is maturing in Christ. Paul was among so many tainted, influencing voices. Come on, does that sound familiar? Yes. That he knew that the only way to reach the heart of men was to rely on the Holy Spirit to do his work in their heart. That's where we got to be. That's where we got to be. Verse 6, yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature. Look, look here. What he's saying is we know we're not in a world where they are morally, completely, 
uh, correct. That they have no moral character. We get so caught up a lot of times in, oh, well, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket and we just don't do nothing. Well, that's like getting mad at the horse for taking a crap in the stall. No, we're, we're in this. We're in this. We're going to, and, and listen, we're, it, it takes, we're, we're going to clean it, clean it out, get them out, feed them, do whatever. See, it's a, and when you're spiritually appraised, well, I can't believe you made such a mess in this stall. Come on, y'all hearing what I'm saying? Then we get mad, we get upset. But no, that's just part of it. It's our job as a church to get people morally and complete matured in the faith. Come on. And we're all at different levels, praise God. Look what he says. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. In other words, the current systems in place do not see this as wisdom. Never before has that been more... Yeah, prominent, prevalent, whatever. Because the current systems in place, they are, they're passing away. But they see us as foolishness. They see us as foolishness. I mean, over, over I think it was Sweden or somewhere, Clayton might can tell me, but they're a woman, uh, the mayor of the town is being thrown in jail for using the word of God in one of her speeches. Come on. It's coming. It's coming. But see, they are passing away. Verse 7, but we speak God's wisdom, a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Now I want you to look at this. This wisdom of God was hidden. But now it's being revealed through what? The Spirit. Who knows the mind? The Spirit. That's why he says we have the mind of Christ. See, these hidden mysteries, we now get to be, to know. And here's what I like. He says, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. That word glory there is our esteem, our worth, and our value. We had no idea how worthy and valuable we were to God. Now we're starting to know because he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and now his spirit lives within us. Come on. See, this is how you're fighting this spiritual battle. This is how you're starting to gonna appraise. <laughs> Excuse me. He says, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil would have understood how valuable and how worthy God still thought you were, that he still finds value and worth, he started from the very beginning of the enemy's deception to steal the authority from Adam and Eve, God started from that very beginning to get back to us. So, how worthy. Come on. See, we speak God's wisdom to those that it hasn't been revealed yet. They may not understand it. It may sound foolishness, but it's for our and for their worth and value. And that's how, that's, that's how we, we become witnesses to people. Hey, 
If God did it in me, he'll do it in you because you're that valuable and you're that worthy. And when, you, when we go at it like that, it opens the door for them to be able to serve in the kingdom. Going, man, how awesome is God? Then what happens is it starts a, whole, a process. Now they're fulfilling the call on their life. And when they stand before God, they take the crown off, put it at his feet. All because you thought I was, had worth and value that I did what you created me to do. Come on. Look in verse 9. But just it is written, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, that natural, carnal way of evaluating things. We didn't receive that. But the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. In other words, we begin to renew our mind to the fact that we have worth and we have value and there's things that we haven't even seen. There's things that haven't even entered our minds or our hearts that all that God has prepared for us. There is so much that God's prepared for you. But until you start spiritually appraising them, through the lens of grace and mercy, come on, that, listen, God has so much. And, and I'm telling you, there, it's never too late. It doesn't matter if you're 90 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 100 years old. God still birthed the spiritual son in Abraham and Sarah. Still. At the age of 90. Listen, this tells us that all things are possible for those who what? Believe. So Paul began to work on the belief system that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was and has the authority and power to change you to add value and worth to that which the world keeps trying to take out. Come on. See, Paul is telling us how to see the things that you can't see with your eyes. Because when it comes to vision and purpose, you can't look at the current situations that you're in at this moment. You're going to have to start seeing things, God, through the lens of God's eyes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Look what it says. I'm sorry. I read that already, didn't I? <laughs> Listen, we have not received fear, doubt, or worry. Come on now. Yes. That's not what we received when we received Christ. Yes. We didn't receive negative. We didn't receive the ability to always be offended and be right. That's not what we received. See, our look on life now is from the lens of joy, hope, peace in the Holy Spirit. There, got, there has to be a point where we say, Lord, it's your will, not my will. 
Every believer in Christ is going to come to the point where you're going to have to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And usually it's always at times when we are, are sometimes uh, not in a very favorable position. We have a, uh, uh, we have a miniature Hereford bull called Howie. Oh, Howie the Hereford. And Howie the Hereford is on his third set of calves. That's a set of yearlings. He's full grown. He's full grown. And he's with a bunch of babies. And he ain't liking it. And he sits there and he looks in the other pasture with the other ones that he helped raise. All my friends. Why am I stuck with all these kids? Why am I having to go through this again? I guarantee you, that's just what he sounds like. He can't even beller right. But he has no idea of his value and his worth. Because usually them calves are bouncing all over the place and won't come to the feedlot. Always looking. Uh, come on. How, how much value is it for those children workers to be teaching our kids? Our youth. The value. Come on, if any of y'all grew up in church, how many of y'all grew up in a Sunday school? See, how much value, what, what did that put in you? The time that somebody spent on getting the pages colored and getting getting the colors and making the, come on. And, and as parents, when your child comes home with that coloring deal, do you ask them, hey, what, what does this mean? I'll never forget when Peyton was about three years old and she comes in and, and we're sitting there and she's telling us all about Jesus at three years old because Mr. Carey was teaching them about who Jesus was. And I'm telling you, we were all standing there looking like, and she was telling us about Jesus dying on the cross. And, and Mr. Carey said, yeah, that bald-headed guy right there. <laughs> Don't ever think that anything that you're doing for the kingdom is not of great value. And it only, it's only going to be for a little while. Listen, there is no menial task in advancing the kingdom. There's no menial task. I can't think of a greater task than teaching those kids back there right now. It is greater than me standing right here. Because that's the church. And how they learn... Come on. And how we act. How we act in here is going to determine whether they advance the kingdom later on in their own life. It's that powerful. And now, verse 14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. See, it may seem foolish to Howie. 
But let me tell you what Howie's going to do. Every morning and every evening, he's coming to that feed. Do you see how fat he was? <laughs> his value, listen, his value and worth is more than eating on my plate. That's what keeps the enemy. When you figure out, hey, I've got value, I have worth, and this is, come on. And here's what's so great about Howie's position. Every one of those yearling bulls are bred to buck. And with him doing his part, will draw out the greatness that's in them. Come on. Because if they're all flighty, bouncing off of everything, crippling themselves, come on, hurting themselves, and fighting it all the time, it just delays their destiny. Come on, man. See, natural man is governed by his soul and his mind. In other words, a natural man is governed by his fears, his doubts, his worry. That's why God whittled down Gideon's army to 300 men who weren't governed by their soul. Come on. But they had an eye to fight. See, God whittled that. Listen, numbers don't matter once you get your orders from God. And natural man is governed by his soul, his mind, his wants, what he thinks is right, how it makes him feel. Come on. See, happy is not joy. You can be happy and not have joy. Happy ain't joy. Happy is based on circumstance and situations that you're in. Joy, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You still praise. You still lift your hands up. Come on, y'all see the difference here? See, joy is a mindset. I'm, I choose joy today. I choose joy today. I'm going to be joyous today. I don't care what happened yesterday. I'm going to be joyful today. Because God says, I have worth and I have value. Doesn't matter if everybody in this room hates me. Come on. I'm going to have joy. The joy of the Lord is my... Oh, man, come on. Joy jumps over you. <laughs> when you realize that joy comes from God and the joy of the Lord is your strength, you may be in the mully grubs, but joy will jump right over you and take you right on. See, a natural man is driven by emotion, acting off of his fears, his selfishness, his offenses, his doubts. See, in other words, he's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like a thermometer. You ever notice a thermometer reads the temperature in the room? Like it's cold in here right now? God's didn't, God didn't call you to be a thermometer. He called you to be the thermostat. You set the temperature in the room. Come on. You set what goes on around your house. Come on, you tell the devil where to go. Go to hell. Right? David said, oh, my soul, what's wrong with you? See, David wasn't just being a thermometer. It says he hit his knees and encouraged himself in the Lord. Oh, my soul, what's wrong with you? Praise the Lord. If you're a Christian and you haven't been in that place yet, you will be. 
And if you've been in that place and failed that test, you're going to come around the mountain and it's going to get to the point where you're going to get another shot at it. Come on, because that's what God's trying to do. God, God will take us around the mountain and, and give us some relief and bring us over there. Okay, here comes the test. We're going to try it again. Are you going to lift me up? Or are you going to succumb to the circumstance? Come on. Are you going to get a revelation of this? That's what Kent talked about Wednesday. We, he was going through all the times in his life where they came up against these situations and circumstance and they got a revelation of it. See, sometimes you're going to go around that mountain till you get a revelation of tithing, till you get a revelation that you've been healed, till you get a revelation that it's the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on. See, you're going to get, when you get a revelation of it, then the devil can't rob you of it. And God wants you to have the revelation of it, not you living off my revelation of it. Exactly. Because he wants to mature us as we go. But if you don't spiritually appraise those things, the first thought you have is, oh, God, God's mad at me. No, God's not mad at you. He's trying to mature you. Come on. He's trying to get you better. He's trying to get you to come on past the offense. He's trying to get you to come on past that. Get some revelation. Come on, are y'all in here? See, you can't go by what, it, what you see, what you hear, how you feel. You know, that natural man goes by all those senses, what smells, touches. Come on. James chapter 1, verse 23, it says for... Oh, we better, let's turn there real quick. Y'all good? Y'all cold? What? I know it is freezing in here. James chapter 1, verse 23. Mm, let's start in 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Come on, that's, that's powerful. See, that's that getting that revelation. And the only way to get that revelation is to hear it and to read it. Come on. Look what it says. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at, at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Listen, God is always trying. Listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. word. So we're having to have faith to mature in God, right? So we're going to have to look intently at the word of who God says we are, not the voices, the influencing voices out here. Come on. So we're going to have, praise God, I heard the ACs cut off. <laughs> God, you're so good. <laughs> See, we have to look intently at the word as if it was a mirror. Because when we look into a mirror, we forget our sorry character. Come on. But when we look at the word, it's reminding us this is what needs to change. This is what needs to change. And so we start spiritually appraising ourselves off of what the word says. Here's what you're going to be. Here's how you're going to fulfill your call. Here's how you're going to do what I've called you to do. Here is what I have wrote down before you were even born. Come on. You have so much value, so much worth. Yes, you're worth more than just that little cubicle you might be sitting in. You're worth more than what's going on around you. Come on. Listen, you turn your cubicle into a devil fighting, advancing the kingdom of God cubicle. When people step into the, your cubicle, they go, oh, whoa, what? It's the Holy Ghost. This is the kingdom of God you have stepped in. Please enter. Yeah. 
I know you have this urge to feel like you need to repent. That's fine. Go ahead. I just got papers. <laughs> Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You become a force to be reckoned with because of your value and your worth. What you do becomes something that God uses to advance his kingdom because you figured out why he hung on that cross and died. Because you were worth it. No matter what everybody else around you says. Come on. Ex-husbands, ex-wives, no matter what they say. I don't know. That's for somebody. Old boyfriends, exes, I don't know. Are y'all with me? See, we look intently at the word and that's what changes us. James chapter 3 and I'll close. Verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousies and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Come on. Selfish, ambitious, arrogant, lying. It's all from the devil. We become fruit inspectors. And we do that when we look at this word in our lives first. Come on. What is my life producing? What am I doing? Have I done anything for the kingdom of God? Look what he says. This wisdom is not which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy, selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering. In other words, no doubt. Without hypocrisies. See, there's no false appearances. That's what he's saying. Because listen, you can sit in church and you can fool everybody that you're a Christian, but fruit will eventually bear it out. Come on. Fruit is always, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Fruit's always going to bear out because we're always sowing some kind of seed. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisies. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In other words, you become rest. God wants us to have rest. And to get rest and peace, we're going to have to start sowing. Listen, in, in this world that we live in, the one thing that people need is rest. All the confusion, all the mess that's going on. Listen, and to do that, our belief system has to get intact. How are you spiritually appraising where you're at, your worth, what you're doing? Because I'm telling you, it's sad to me how many people 
aren't serving in the house of God because they don't feel worthy. Man, that's sad to me because you are so much value. Everybody can serve somewhere. When you come into church in the morning and somebody just sees a smiling face, let me tell you something, you just did your job. Because I'm telling you, there's people that come into church house on Sunday mornings, they just want to see a smiling face. They don't want to hear about doom and gloom. Come on. Please try again. <laughs> Missy's phone went off. Please try again. <laughs> See, people want to hear some hope. Listen, if y'all would stand. I don't have a mic, but... I don't need a mic. Yeah, you might need a mic. Here it comes. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I kept tripping over this thing. <laughs> Man, I don't like that music. That's too gloomy. I don't know. But this message, I tell you what, I can't even hardly sit still. I'm telling you, man, because, I mean, everything he says, we can get in that, oh, sorry, me attitude every week. But I, as you preach that, man, I just think, you know, they looked over at the promised land. Come on. It was the promised land whether they occupied it or not. And we got to go over and wow. occupy your promised land. That is you got to occupy your miracle. <laughs> we are a new creation, but it, it ain't a new creation until I decide to start walking in that new creation. Man, that's good. You got to get past this, I don't feel like it today. Come on. You got to get past this flesh of, I don't have worth. I came from a broken home. Look, Jesus showed up to me in a nightclub 30 years ago. I was wasted on ecstasy. <laughs> In the pit of hell, I'm talking about That's demonic right. activity. He shows up. I wasn't even looking for him. Yeah. He came and got me. He said, look, son, there's more than what you're experiencing right now. And that was the worst thing he could have told me. Because I'm going after it all. I want it all. And you know what? This Bible has in it more and it says what you can do That's right. than what you can't do. And, it yeah. don't, and until you start doing the can do, you don't experience the fullness of God. Come on. You got to walk in that <laughs> promise. You got to walk in that new creation. I am more than a conqueror. Come on. You know, and that's what we got to get a hold of. Man, I, I just can't. It's just, there's somebody in here that just... Uh, got this pitiful me mentality. I'm telling you, I want to pray for you right now. God called you to be more than a conqueror. That's He's right. got so much more for you. And look, the breast, I, I do more now and I'm, I'm walking breast. I don't, it's like no effort. You just walk in it and you just do it and you just keep going. And, and the whole thing is that when you get out of that kingdom mindset and that worldly mindset, that's when you start feeling the burden. You got to get past that and get in this kingdom mindset. And I'm going and conquering my promised land. That's good. That's good. Here's something that I, I forgot to say. And when he said that, you can go around and around that mountain and he showed them the promised land. That's powerful. It's still the promised land, even if you're not occupying it. And here's what God said. Little by little, I will give it to you. In Exodus 23 and 29 and 30, he says, little by little, I will give you that land so that the beast of the field will not become too numerous for you. 
Come on. So that you can possess and bear fruit. See, God says little by little, I will help you mature and grow and possess the land. See, little by little, I'll never forget coming uh, to Christ. And, and there was this expectation on, on me to quit a lot of things that I just could not quit right then. And a lot of times we quit a lot of those things yet to fall right back into it because we haven't learned to possess this land. Come on, does that make sense? We haven't learned how to fight the enemies that, are in, that, that God puts one at a time. See, religious folks want you to just quit everything right off the bat and to be super spiritual right off the bat. You can't. You, you can't. You're going to have to be allowed to stumble and fall and get back up again. Stumble and fall and get back up again. Stumble and fall to get back up again. Stumble and fall and get back up again. Come on, is somebody starting to get this now? Stumble and fall and get back up again. Listen, and as a family, we don't condemn each other. We encourage each other. Come on, I know the battle you must be fighting, but let me tell you, I fought this battle and now I'm possessing. I'm not depressed anymore. I'm starting to see worth and value in my life. And let me tell you something. Big Jim's exactly right. There's somebody in here. You do not feel worthy and valuable enough, but I'm telling you right now, you are. It's just you have to take that first step and say, God, it's not me. It, I can't do this anymore. See, there was something powerful when I finally broke to God. Come on. And that's what I feel right now. There's some change coming in your life, but you've got to break to God. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open this altar up. And what you're going to do is you're going to take that first step saying, God, I'm breaking to you. I'm going to break to you. Come on. Who is that? Listen, there's few. Say, God, I just need to break to you. No greater steps you'll ever take. Come on. Something, something inside. When we were talking about falling down again, getting back up, falling down again, getting back up, falling down again, getting back up. Come on. I need to see you. Man, God has some great things. Come here, Keisha. Come on, who else? guys uh, I've been back there this morning and uh, something that David said just God had placed on my heart to come up and say somebody needs to hear it I don't know why but 
Malcolm Bruce is an evangelist minister, and he goes all over the country, uh, the Philippines, Africa. Um, and he told me this story about, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. He went over there to Africa, and, um, you know, uh, you speak of spiritual wickedness in high places and uh, the things in the spirit realm that we don't know anything about, that we don't even really are aware of that's happening all around us. Uh, yeah. But he went over there to uh, Africa or South Africa somewhere, and voodoo is a big thing over there, yeah. a humongous thing. And he went over there, it was a revival, and this little guy was uh, preaching this revival. And when it was done, he come up to my Uncle Bruce and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, um, your words were amazing. He said, my whole family was involved in voodoo, and my father was a high priest. And he said, we would have a spiritual, uh, out-of-body spiritual uh, deals in the middle of the night. And we would all come to a, like a seance, and we would all... Our spirits would leave our bodies and we would fly through these neighborhoods. And my dad had always told me there was always a couple of houses that were, were brightly lit. And my dad would always say, you leave those houses alone. We don't go in there. And he said it, it, it took him maybe 10 years flying by these houses in the middle of the night. And finally he's like, what, what is up with those houses? Why can we not go in there? He said, those are Christians. We have no power in those homes. I don't know who... God had me to, to speak this to, but he, the, the kid said that from that moment on, he said he wanted to be something part of the most powerful thing in the world. And up until that point, he thought voodoo was the most powerful thing in the <laughs> world. And then he realized, if, if we can't touch Christians, then, then that's something I want to be a part of. And like I said, I don't know who was supposed to hear this this morning, but it was just on my heart for God to go up, tell me, go up there and and let somebody know that story, speak that story, because it just speaks to me and my spirit, the, the power of Christ, the things that we don't know when, when we're at home, when we're out doing our daily business. Right. We don't know the spirits that yeah. are flying around us and are just looking at us and mean mugging us. We have no clue. That's right. But because we're Christians, God doesn't allow that to touch us. That's and, good. And, and the protection that we have when we don't even know, the protection that we have when we're out doing our dirty deeds that, that, that we think nobody knows about, them devils know, I promise you. But God still says, no, you ain't touching them. You can't touch them. They it's got good. a light inside of them. Yep. So uh, thank y'all. It's good. He says he'll rebuke the devourer on our behalf. I've heard several stories like that. I've got a good friend that preaches over there as well. And he said, you can't imagine when you are there until you get there, you know, because they are so open to the spiritual realm. And he says, it, he said, they are always trying to attack the Christians especially the evangelists that come in and minister. And, um, but how powerful is our God? Man, he is just so good. Father, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we thank you that when we break to you, you begin to line things out. Holy Spirit, we just pray that as we leave here and we go out, that you'll begin to show us as we begin to study your word, as we look intently at it, Father, that we begin to appraise things through your eyes that we have value and we have worth. And when the enemy comes, Lord, show us. Remind us, Holy Spirit, that you are the power and the authority.
and that we are more than conquerors. And Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.